Hi, welcome to the Book of Medora podcast, the podcast where we discuss is all the lore. I'm Crystal, and with me today is Monica. Hey. And Cameron. Oh, hello. Uh, on the last episode, we were discussing the Wind Waker, and we will continue to discuss the Wind Waker for this episode, and possibly one or two or three or four or five or six more episodes yet. Where did we leave There's off last time? a lot of lore. Uh, I believe that the spot that we left off last time was leaving uh, Windfall Island with the finally obtained sail. And uh, one thing that we left off is that in Windfall Island, Tingle is actually part of the critical path for getting off of Windfall in the HD version of the game. In that yes, he the is. They made sail- it more important. Yes, the salesman is friends with Tingle and is too distraught to sell you a sail until such time as his friend is got out of jail. Salesman. Oh, (laughs) yes. So Tingle has a friend, and it's a salesman. And then Link, who is at this point completely bound by the direction of the wind, sails off towards the only island where he can reasonably sail to, which is Dragon Roost Island. And... Dragon Roost Island is a pretty interesting location, I think. Though the trip over there is also interesting in that while you're sailing over there, you can, of course, try to veer away from the central path a little bit. The wind does give you a certain amount of leeway in being able to move. You just can't move at top speed unless it's directly behind you. But if you try to go into any of the island squares that are not directly on your path to Dragon Roost Island, and this remains true for quite a while, the King of Red Lions will direct you away and say, we can't go over here yet. There's problems. Okay. And I guess that's more, yeah, that's that's basically as much answer as you get. Do you remember when you're able to sail wherever you want? It takes a while. I believe it is after Dragon Roost Island. Is it after Dragon Roost? For some reason, I thought it was after the Forest Haven. No, I think Valu unlocks the the stone that teaches you the Song of Winds. Right. I think you still get gated though. Oh. By mm. the by your boat. Yeah, the boat continues to gate you even though you have the mechanical ability to head back to Windfall. I think this came up in my playthrough of the HD version because I wanted to go back and get the swift sail as early as possible, but it wasn't an option until a little bit later. Why did they do it like that? I I don't know why they did it exactly like that, but Wind Waker is interesting in that it has this... There was a period, uh, especially around the time that Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword were the latest Zelda games, where uh, Zelda was known for having gone down a more linear path before you're able to play around in the world. And Wind Waker was sort of held up as this standard for being able to dick around more. But there's actually a very long sequence. It's like 30 or 35% of the game where you're just railroaded from one island to another before you're allowed to explore anything. Well, Link's on the quest. Yeah, Link's on a quest. But it's like, I, I might be able to do this quest better with a faster boat. But you have to save your sister first. Do I? Nothing's yeah. that urgent. Nothing is. <laughs> uh, what if I miss out on dialogue by not talking to all the people on Windfall after beating Dragon Roost? No, that's how you can be sure that you don't have additional dialogue. You you try and then you are refused and you're like, okay, well. Okay. Yeah, later. Maybe later. But anyway, uh, because the boat won't let Link go anywhere else, Link sails directly to Dragon Roost Island. It doesn't really stop anywhere on the way, though I don't think there are actually many points of interest on the islands on the way there. It's 
a couple of islands that I think you need items you do not have yet to meaningfully interact with. So, you get to Dragon Roost Island, and you notice a couple of things as soon as you draw up to it. One, Dragon Roost Island has one of the nicer songs in the entire series associated with it. That's just real nice music it's got going. Oh, it's the best song in the game. I'd have to think about that one, but it is really, really good. And the other thing is that it is actually some kind... It looks like a volcano, but it's also a volcano with a big cartoonish Pete's Dragon-looking motherfucker parked right on top of it. Either you know that Dragon Man smokes weed. <laughs> okay, what He's is this He's so about? relaxed all the time. He is super stressed out, actually. At the moment. But even yeah, when he's, he's stressed out, he's still kind of relaxed. What? I Listen, the weed jokes. Another time. Another podcast. So, here's my geography theory. Oh, no. Dragon Roost Island is Death Mountain. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I think, <laughs> we, I think we're all in agreement. Yeah, we, there's. I, I don't think you're going to get much away from that. There's very few uh, actively volcanic mountains in the Zelda series, and I think it's probably fair to say that this one is probably death mountain but what 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 are your particular reasons for saying that this is death mountain uh well like you said there's really only the one active volcano in hyrule it is in the uh northeasternly part of the map and it is associated with din and also valu is there who is implied to be a descendant of volvagia you know, I've never really looked at the Wind Waker map to see if it parallels, you know, any of the other Hyrulean maps. Well, there's a lot of problems with trying to do that because the only thing you're dealing with are mountain peaks. But um, what makes you think that Valu is descended from Volvagia? The Hyrule Historia says as much, but even before that, it was a popular theory because they kind of look alike in the head part. Because because they're like dragons. Yeah, but like they're. Like, you look at Volvagia's head, and you look at Valu's head, and you can see how they might be disrelated. They both have those, like, well, with Valu, it's more, like, feathery, but they both have, like, horn things. They both have very long necks. Volvagia's got these huge, wicked ram horns. And, I mean, like, also, Valu's this big, goofy, cartoon western dragon, and Volvagia's like this evil fire corruption of a Chinese dragon. Baloo's, well, yeah. after Skyward Sword came out, it, it's pretty clear that he's more similar to the dragon spirits there. It's interesting, though, because Valu seems to be... Valu's definitely a guardian god of this island. I don't think that's, like, in dispute on any level. And it seems almost like Valu is fulfilling the same role as the theoretical Goron god from Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Only he's watching over the Rito. Right, instead of the Gorons. Because the Gorons all drowned, I guess. There's a couple but, still around. Yeah, they're they're still around. There's three, exactly three Gorons. G- Gorons. Oh, okay. You're always here's a theory <laughs> that popped into my head. Okay. So in the backstory of the flood, they say that people fled to the mountaintops, right? Mm-hmm. But there's not that many mountaintops in Hyrule. So what if the Gorons all got together and they became the mountaintops? That is a theory. That you just yeah. told us. Huh. That's why there's not too many of them around anymore. They sacrificed themselves for the Highlands. That's a lot of, that's a lot of Gorons. Yeah. That's well, a, there's lot a lot of, of Gorons. Gorons. Wow. What a grim past future you've come up with. But the 
the Koroks helped develop the trees to build up the island. Well, I guess that could still theoretically work. Yeah, the oh, Gorons we'll the provided the, the rock, and the Koroks <laughs> provided the green. Okay, sure. We'll, we'll go with that for right now. So they go to this, but this place is not made of Gorons because it's just Death Mountain, and that was already tall enough. Yeah. Okay, so we go to the one non-Goran island in the entire mess, and it's covered in the bird people, the Rito, who the mailman from the beginning of Link's adventure is a member of. And the first thing you you that happens when you get to the island is that you get the Wind Waker. It's kind of unceremonious. Is that the first thing? I, I think so. Yeah, That's not after the dungeon? It's the oh. first thing is like, hey, we're here now. Here you go. It's um, said to be used long ago when the people played music and prayer to the gods. Hmm. Hmm. And it might still be working, so. You know. So does he tell you to go look at the uh, stone tablets before or after the dungeon? I feel like part of this has to come after the dungeon. That's after. I, th- I think it's blocked off until after the dungeon. Oh, that's right, because you need to be able to use the bombs or something. What's the yes. dungeon item in this one? I feel like it's your bomb bag. It's the um, throwy thing. The grappling hook? Grappling hook. hook. Well, you got it before. Yeah. Grappling hook is from the Forsaken Fortress, I thought. No. Oh, man, I'm showing off my ignorance. Medley gives you the grappling hook. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what... Uh, it, the grappling hook is for baby Rito who don't have their wings yet. Like Medley. She can fly. Well, okay, she can fly in a very limited way. But um, one of the things that's interesting uh, about the Rito, not only are they living in what is essentially a honeycomb cave system that cuts through Death Mountain, and they are essentially a race of attendants to this dragon god, but the entire collection of Rito that you actually meet in the game is almost exclusively male. Medley is the only female Rito that you actually meet on the entirety of Rito Island. You are Dragon Roost Island, sorry. You do hear about, uh, is it Kamali? Kamali, yeah. Kamali's grandmother, who was the previous attendant to Valu. And you do hear about one particular guy's girlfriend. But of the two dozen or so Rito models that you actually meet, all of them are men. I'm not suggesting that, that there are no... <laughs> I, well... I'm not suggesting that it means there are no Rito women or anything. Uh, I guess it's just a problem of representative, representative, oh God, representative populations in the same way that they use representative distance. And it just happens to be that all the representative Rito are, you know, masculine for some stupid fucking reason. But funnily enough, that kind of resembles the amount of the ratio of Zora in Ocarina of Time. Assuming that the rest of the Zora are... As far as you can tell. Because, I mean, Rito and Zora aren't really, like... They have no real... What do you call it? Sexual dimorphism. Like, as near as you can tell, there isn't really an easy way to tell one from the other just by looking at them. At least up to this point in the series. Rito has... Ruto has boobs. Yeah. Okay, yes. (laughs) Ruto does have boobs, but her dad is also, like, a giant egg. So, I mean, like, the royals don't necessarily play into this. And I don't think most of the Zora in Ocarina of Time are actually uh, gendered at any point. Yeah. I mean, I could be mistaken. Well, what if but we codify this so. and say it's a Solarian thing where it's like only 10% female? That wouldn't make a whole ton of sense, to be honest. 
but we observe. I mm, yeah, but then what? What the hell does that mean? Does that mean that Kamali's grandmother is mother to every Rito on the island? Sure. If that's sure. the case, then then who the fuck was Kamali's mother? The uh the third woman on the island. That guy's girlfriend. <laughs> who we never see. The fourth woman. No. No, it's just like a problem that they had. I'm going to guess that it's probably down to them not wanting to make more models. And this is where they decided to cut things loose because most people won't peer at it very hard. God knows I didn't. But it's just one of those really weird little details where it's like, huh, why the fuck is it like that? And there's no good answer for it. And I thought that was pretty interesting. But anyway, uh, it's made explicit when talking to Medley during this section that the Rito used to live in the water. I don't remember when exactly that is brought up. Um, it might not well, be till you meet the ancient sage. Well, that's when it's made explicit that they used to be Zora, I think. When she gives you the grappling hook, she does mention that it was used by her people before they evolved wings. Ah. Uh. So you kind of get that indication. And the whole fact that the, the Rito get their wings... Or the ability to fly, you know, by going to Valu and getting a scale. So that's not something that's really natural to them. Right. It's like magically induced evolution, in a sense. Which is, he's a very hands-on god, Valu. Yeah, Valu's maybe the most hands-on that any patron deity has ever been. Uh, maybe next to the Great Deku Tree. Honestly... Even the Deku tree, due to being firmly rooted in place, probably doesn't go quite as far as Valu does. But, you know, that's referencing events that happen a little bit later in the game. And if if the Rito are descendants of the Zora, then why wasn't Jaboon their patron god? Yeah, they totally abandoned Jaboon. Um, did they though? Because, I mean, if the sea is cursed and is no longer able to support fish, then it kind of stands to reason that it might also be poisonous to the Zora. Especially since these are, assumedly, freshwater Zora. Right. I mean, right, we think? Yeah, they're they're freshwater. Yeah. Or we're freshwater. Okay. And maybe one so, of the reasons the Gorons mostly died out is because they didn't really have a patron deity as of Ocarina. Yeah, that would make sense. That does... Sort of bring to mind a question, though. Whence Valu? Because, yeah, I mean, Valu. We, we get where Jabun came from. We can sort of assume that Jabun is descended from Jabu Jabu, or at least related to Jabu Jabu in some way. And the Deku tree is the Deku sprout that Link helped save in the adult split from Ocarina of Time. It's the same person, so there's obvious continuity there. But Valu doesn't seem to have a concrete genesis that we can trace back to what was going on in Ocarina of Time. Maybe in the years between the resurrection of Volvagia and Volvagia being killed by Link, she laid some eggs. And it's just like this one egg got super badass and powerful? Sure. Okay. I was thinking maybe something like uh, what you and I posited in an earlier episode with regards to the relationship between the Deku Scrubs and the Deku Tree, where the Deku Scrubs are like very minor forest spirits, and the Deku Tree is a major spirit that rises up out of a collection of many minor ones. Okay. So and who are maybe, the major minor spirits here? I don't know what the minor spi- The Dongos? What happened to the Dodongos? 
Oh, they're dead. They probably drowned. Most of the Dodongos were in subterranean caverns at the base of Death Mountain. They undoubtedly got flooded out. You know, it occurs to me that as the world started flooding, maybe the Zora fled over to Death Mountain and then kicked out the Gorons. What? <laughs> what? There's no Gorons there. I... And, and then, you know, took over their, their space and their, their guardian spirits. You're... You're turning this into some kind of horrible genocide thing when this is already dealing with a horrible genocide. Why has it got to make, like, the entirety of Dragon Roost Island into this horrible bloodland thing? Like, they can't account for the actions of their ancestors. I, mmm, I don't actually, mmm, I don't know. Huh. It's survival. No, baby, I'm going to just dismiss this one. I don't, uh uh-uh, I don't like it. I don't like it, and that means it's not real. Okay. That didn't happen. Not ever. Okay, so the actual reason that the King of Red Lions gives Link for being here at Dragon Roost Island, if I remember to start with, is that Link needs to get Den's Pearl, which is a pearl of the old goddesses, or the goddess, one of the goddesses of Hyrule that has been entrusted to the Rito people. That's about what it is, right? That's how he explains it? Mm -hmm. Okay, so Link finds out that Dragon Roost Island is going through some problems. And amongst those problems is the fact that, much like Death Mountain long ago, Dragon Roost Island is undergoing a drought. And this is related to Valu, the guardian god of Dragon Roost Island, going through some kind of rage periodically, which is whipping the island's atmosphere into this really bad sandstorm. And it's kind of an interesting spot that they're in because... There's no rain on this island for some reason, so they're in the middle of the ocean and it's completely dehydrated, which I'm guessing probably doesn't happen too much in the real world. But yeah, I Link, I feel like they could easily overcome a drought, at least as far as their own survival, just by boiling some of the water around them. Yeah, and flying over and going to the ocean and fetching a bucket and watering those bomb plants and... Well, you gotta distill the water first so it doesn't dry them out because it's just seawater. They, I'm right, they can do that. Just use seawater. Yeah, is that a thing? Bomb flowers are very hardy. I guess they're the hardiest. Okay, yeah, they could do that. But I think that their larger problem isn't so much about the drought. It's about the fact that Valu is going uh, ape shit on top of the mountain. And if Valu is going ape shit, then the younger Rito cannot go near him because even the adults can't approach Valu through the sky at this point. And if they can't do that, then young Rito can't get their wings. And if young Rito can't get their wings, well, they're going to go extinct in about one generation. So Link, after conferring with the chief of the Rito, determines that the chief's son, Kamali, did they ever name the chief? I I'm mean, not I sure. think he's just they the named chief. the yeah, just the chief, pretty much. I'm, I'm sure that he has a name when you get his figurine in the gallery. But after conferring with the chief, Link determines that the pearl that he needs is held by Kamali, the chief's son. So he goes and he finds Kamali. And one of the things that he's told about Kamali by the chief is that Kamali is a timid boy. And this is framed in a very negative light, at least insofar as children are ever framed in a negative light in the Zelda series, in that Kamali's timidity is a failure. And you're like, oh, that seems kind of harsh. But then you go talk to Kamali And Kamali has Din's pearl and refuses to give it up 
because it is something that was entrusted to him by his grandmother, and he has it as his sole memento of her. And he cared for his grandmother a very great deal, and he's simply not willing to let go of his childhood in that sense. It's not just that he can't approach Falu, he doesn't even want to. So, knowing that he's giving you an impossible deal, and in order to make you go away, he says, I tell you what, you can have my grandmother's pearl if and only if you manage to calm Vlu, as if anybody could do that. So Link, being who he is, goes off and talks to everyone on the entire island, and in so doing, discovers that Medley, the current young attendant of Vlu, will be able to help him get up the mountain. And hell, let's go get this taken care of. Everybody needs to get this done. She can also understand what he's saying, so she understands ancient Hylian. Yes, I think that's important. Ancient Hylian was taught to her by Kamali's grandmother, the previous attendant, who's... So there's like this shared history between both Medley and Kamali and that they both cared for Kamali's grandmother a great deal, but in very different ways. But yes, Medley being able to speak Ancient Hylian is a big deal, simply because during your initial playthrough of the game, when Link cannot understand Ancient Hylian... Medley can so she can interpret certain things. So Medley determines that they're going to go up the mountain together and they don't need the adult's help. And here's this grappling hook. So let's go up there. And is there anything else we need to cover before we head into the depths of Dragon Roost Island? Mm-hmm. Um, I like the apprentice postman guy, but oh, that's yeah. kind of either here or there. No, he's great. We can cover him. What about you, Crystal? No, I think you, I think you covered it. Okay. So the Apprentice Postman guy is the one other human on uh, Dragon Roost Island. And wait, no, he doesn't even appear at this point. Uh, There's a guy running the post office, and he wants you to do some part-time work for him, and he'll pay you for it, and you sort mail, and Link is super fast at sorting mail, and he he doesn't even give you a heart piece or anything, does he? He just, like, gives you money? Or does he give you a heart piece? How do you not remember this? You get every heart piece every time. Well. Oh. Well, anyway. So Link goes with Medley up the mountain and has to do a bunch of puzzle solving on the way up. Uh, the kind that where you get a very distinct impression that it would be a lot easier if there was like water because you have to water these bomb flowers and blow up the blockage in a spring, which is blocked because during one of Valu's rages, a volcanic eruption dropped a giant stone onto the mouth of the spring and it all just dried up. So now we've got our fresh water back. And... Link manages to go up there, and even on his way up there, you get the impression that something's very wrong, because there are moblins and bacoblins and shit up there, and evil boids who probably shouldn't be up there. Are they rocks? Yes. Yeah, it's rocks. Sort of like the Helmarok King, only much smaller and less intimidating. And Link goes into it, and Wind Waker's interesting, because unlike the, oh, you called them the spin-off Zelda titles, and I guess that's as good a way to refer to them as any. But unlike the spin-off Zelda titles, there's a concrete reason for every dungeon in Wind Waker to be where it is and to exist in the form that it does. Yes. And Dragon Roost Island is the way that it is, partially because it provides a path for young Rito to get up and commune with the Sky God, and partially because it's just built into this massive volcanic mountain that is way more dangerous than it would usually be because the Sky God is just having a real bad time on top of it. 
And this is that very rare, very dangerous kind of dungeon where you will miss out on a puzzle for 15 or 20 minutes at a time if you don't think to look up. And there's only one spot in the whole dungeon where you have to look up, and I hate that spot. And I forget it every time. Why doesn't anyone look up in video games? (laughs) Because even in Zelda games, you don't usually have to look up. You look up a lot in Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild encourages looking up a lot. So it changes that habit. But in Wind Waker, you only look up very uncommonly. So it's not so much as like, why don't people look up in video games? It's more, why do they design only certain puzzles to have you look up? And I hate it. I never really thought of the fact that this is the young Rito's path up, but that makes a lot of sense. Oh, it super is. Like, you've got these way stations where they can stop and they can have water as they're progressing through. They've got these cages that are built so they don't, like, fall off when the lava elevators are working. They've got these long paths that you can go down across bridges that are meticulously maintained, even though they're relatively rickety. So you get the impression that they are rebuilt and repaired every so often. The whole interior of Dragon Roost Island's dungeon feels like it's something that you should be able to get through relatively easily, except that it's not supposed to be filled with tons of fucking monsters. I like the way that everything, including the top of the mountain, is kind of humbly decorated. Like, it's not this big, ornate temple, and Valu does not sit on a throne. He's just lazing about up there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. He's chill. Yeah, I guess he's chill. That's why I characterize him as chill. Yeah, chill (laughs) chill is definitely as far as you were characterizing him before. But that's just one of the small things, uh, one of the tiny environmental details that I like about Dragon Roost Island in that it's really leaning hard into the utility of that dungeon in the context of the world. And Dragon Roost Island does that harder than pretty much any other dungeon in The Wind Waker, but in a relatively subtle way that I think a lot of people probably don't catch. And... Boy, there's a lot of monsters in here where there's not supposed to be. They got fire bats and bokoblins and is, are there Please mini Cameron, blends in keys. here? I'm sorry, keys. There's keys. Are there mini blends in here? Uh, I don't remember. I'm not sure. I hate mini blends. So I feel like there probably are some in there and I'm just failing to remember the exact context in which you run into them. Or maybe the first time you run into them is in your return to the Forsaken Fortress. I think that's it. Okay, well... Regardless, there's monsters in here. And the fact that there are monsters in here is interesting because it sort of has the thumbprint of Ganondorf's old MO where he specifically shows up, fucks with the resident god in order to grab hold of something that he probably shouldn't have and then pisses off while his curse takes its course and ruins everything for everyone. Yeah. And it's interesting in this case... Because it's not quite as active as Ganondorf is in the past. It's not him showing up and going, gimme. Oh, you're not going to gimme? Well, fuck you. Die. And it almost feels like perhaps he's not putting his heart into it. Because this is very much a thing that feels set up for children to be able to get past. And it's a very recent development. This particular thing only seems to have begun happening once Link came to the Forsaken Fortress. As if once Ganondorf knew that some kid in green clothes was running around, he started setting things in motion to create a circumstance whereby Link would be able to continue a quest that is very much like the one done in the past. 
Hmm. Huh. Okay. So he, he needs Link to recover the Triforce of Courage so that he can steal it, right? Um, yes. That is very specifically one of the things that he needs. Not just that. Later we'll find out that there's something that Link will do first that is in some ways even more important. But yeah, this is one of the things where it seems like Ganondorf isn't so much trying to stop Link. Because if Ganondorf was trying to stop Link and ruin things completely, it's made pretty clear a little bit later in the quest that if Ganon wanted to, it would be over. Nothing would get past him. He's gotten a lot more subtle and a lot more patient. Yeah, I think that's one of the things we can take away from Dragon Roost Island. And a little bit later, we can take that away from the Forest Haven as well. But it's, uh, you know, I've never actually thought about most of this stuff until I started saying it just now. <laughs> but I was going to say, I, I haven't heard you say this before. So I, I wondered where it came from. One of the secrets of the Book of Medora is that I'll start... Uh, not making up bullshit, but the fact of talking about it out loud to someone who's not you creates this space in my mind where I'm able to approach ideas from different directions. And that new perspective lets me make connections that I might not have made before. It's a little scary. Yeah, uh, you know. But anyway, so Link goes up the mountain and surprise, surprise, uh, Medley gets nabbed by baddies and put in this goofy ass cage. And Link gets in a fight with, I think it's just a Moblin who's left to guard her. Like, he goes over there and these spikes jump out of the ground to create an arena. And then a Moblin gets dropped in by a rock. And Link has to fight and kill the Moblin and then cut down the cage that's holding Medley in place. And she's like, that was some bullshit. You go on ahead. I'm not, I don't know what's going on. And Link runs on ahead through the rest of the whole thing where it's Link's going through this particular sequence is also interesting though because I don't think that the path of the young Rito is supposed to be locked off in the same way so the infrastructure has been changed around quite a bit by Ganon's minions they're erecting they're erecting doors and shoving keys all over the place and this is the first time I think where a dungeon gives an indication uh for one, having been changed around by the bad guys, and two, necessarily having the infrastructure for getting past the bad guys implemented by those same bad guys. Hmm. Yeah, why'd they make keys? Why'd they make keys? Um, specifically so they could be gone through. I mean, I guess the other thing is that it's a way to keep the boss protected from whoever's trying to get through there. It does make me wonder, though, the last door that you go through is specifically into the chamber beneath where Valu is sitting. And it makes me wonder, what's the purpose of this chamber for the kids who are trying to get their wings? I think in uh, many years ago, when Valu was a bit thinner, he might have sat in that chamber. <laughs> oh. That makes sense. Did he have to pull himself up when he started to get a little bit more portly? Yes, he couldn't fit himself down the chimney anymore. This is back when he still looked a bit more like Mama Volvagia. Yes. Volvagia well, it's a good definitely thing that he got through. <laughs> usually characterized as a long, thin creature. Valu has a long, thin neck, and then it's kind of bulbous at the bottom. What does Valu eat? <coughs> Gorons. <laughs> oh. So maybe they're not the islands, and that's where all the Gorons went. All roots lead to Goron genocide. <laughs> no! I'm sure he eats some birds that fly past him. Just grabs He's them out of the sky. He's a dragon spirit. I don't think he has to eat anything, really. 
Yeah, you know what? We're gonna go with that. Spirits don't have to fucking eat. It's fine. He just got portly because that's the form that was needed of him. Because big, portly, fun-looking dragons are a lot less scary to little bird children than horrible-ass ram-horned serpent dragons that spew fire everywhere every time they open their eyes. Now, Jabu Jabu does eat fish. Uh, yeah. Also cows. Also also cows whole. Yes, whole cows and children. And children on occasion. Yep, occasionally children. So yeah, Valu uh, grabs birds out of the sky. Okay. <laughs> and he just got did enough of that till he got a little bit heavier than he used to be. And he, he moved out of his abode before it became a problem. He was like, well, this isn't going to stop. I just like these birds too much. Maybe there were a lot of helm rocks and he's eaten all the big ones. Oh. Now there's only small rocks that will grow bigger. Oh, and like the Helmarok King is the last of its uh, majorly grown kind? Yes. Oh. Yeah, that's Maybe why the Helmarok King went to work for Ganon. Because <laughs> <laughs> this Valu guy is just fucking bullshit. Uh-huh. Oh, Valu also breathes fire, and I guess that is similar to Valvagia. Yeah. And then imagine the, the crispy fried rock. No. Oh. Delicious. Yeah. Throw in some, like... Uh, Hyrule herb with it, and you've got a meal. Yeah, he can he can get the raw food and cook it without even standing up. Yeah, doesn't even need to get a little bowl or nothing. He just does it. Okay, well, we solved the mystery. We solved the mystery that I'm not sure what we're talking <laughs> about. Anyway, uh, Link finds himself in a chamber beneath the mouth of the volcano, and Valu's tail is hanging from the ceiling. And when he's wandering around in here... Goma pops out. Is there a particular name for Goma in this one? Or just Goma. Uh, just Goma? Okay. Doesn't she have a title? I, Maybe uh, not. No, they did definitely give titles in this one, I think. I don't think so. No? Well, let's pull it up on Zeldapedia. Oh, so uh, Kamali's father is just known as the Rito Chieftain. Okay, good. Okay, so Goma and the Wind Waker. Just Goma. Just Goma. Mm-hmm. But Goma in this one, instead of being like a strange, quadrupedal, one-eyed spider beast, is this horrible, lava-covered centipede monster the size of a Mack truck. And apparently the whole reason that Goma is inside the volcano is to grab hold of a loose tail and just, like, shred it every once in a while and keep him in a state of constant agony so he can't think straight or act properly to take care of his charges. This might actually be the coolest looking boss in the game to me still. They really went in hard on Goma in this one. I love this boss. The lighting makes it look great. I remember when Wind Waker HD was first showed off, I thought, oh, I wonder what Goma's going to look like in this one. And then they had those Best Buy uh, demos that you could do, and one of the ones that for it was just fighting Goma, and I stood in line for like 20 minutes just to see how Goma looked in HD, because nobody was doing the damn Goma fight for some reason, and it was so cool, because Goma's the coolest looking, and you like have to crush Goma by pulling on Valu's tail so it straightens out, and the... I guess, in a way, Valu's trying to shield his ass from Goma <laughs> by holding that rock plate in place with his tail. And once Valu's tail straightens, the rock plate falls onto Goma's head and cracks its armor. And you have to straighten his tail a few times and keep making that plate fall on Goma's head until the armor 
that is the carapace, breaks completely, and then you can start going sick house on its eyeball. And Link's really actually surprisingly strong in this one, because Goma's enormous and lifts up what must be a multiple, multiple ton rock plate without too much apparent effort. But when Link grabs it with the grappling hook and yanks it down, Goma's face just slams into the fucking ground in front of him. It's not the first time he does that kind of, or last time he does that kind of thing either. Of course, I guess if you get pulled along by the eyeball, you're a lot more likely to just go with the flow to wherever you're getting pulled. Right. Else the eyeball's going to get ripped out. Yeah. And that, and then Link just pounds on Goma's eye, as one does, and uh, Goma dies, as Goma's wont to do. And so, Valu is... Uh, what was ahead. stopping Valu from just flying up? Uh, I think... Part of the implication here is that Valu isn't actually the one causing the... Cra- huh. Okay. Maybe maybe Valu wasn't the one causing the crazy volcanic activity, and it was Goma. And Valu, being portly, can't actually reach in there to fight the damn thing. So Valu's using the rock plate and his own body to keep Goma contained. Okay. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That feels pretty good to me. And that's why uh, Valu doesn't just, like, fly away... And it's also why Valu doesn't just turn around and kill Goma. He can't reach in there. He can't stick his huh. head down there and breathe fire? Uh, to the uh, breathe fire on the thing that literally lives in lava? That's true. That wouldn't work too well. Gomas he are, a hero. He does. Gomas are creatures of curses. Like parasites. Yes. So you're saying that this Goma was specifically designed either to torment Valu or to bring ruin on Dragon Roost Island. Yeah, but also the the next boss is similarly a parasitic curse thing. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. No, that's fine. So your idea here is that Goma is an early indicator of Ganondorf continuing to stick to that same MO that he had before, because this dude just loves curses. Yeah. So what's really going on here isn't so much Link rescuing Valu from Goma. It's Link coming upon a stalemate where Goma is trying to get out past Valu and ravage Dragon Roost Island so Ganon can show up and just take Den's Pearl, theoretically. And what Link does is he breaks the stalemate that Valu had kept going. And in so doing, takes the pressure off of Valu and allows things to return to some semblance of normalcy. Yeah. You know, I never thought of it. It... It's interesting that Ganon kind of reuses not only Goma, but the next boss, who is somewhat similar to uh, Barbarical, or what was their name? Baronade? Baronade, yes. I think Barbarical might be one from one of the DS games. I think Barbarical's a is Pokemon. It a Pokemon? <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Yeah, see? It's, oh, yeah. I'm not going to remember all the Pokemon, but you and Monica are apparently better for that. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that's that's interesting. I really do learn things about the way I view the lore from recording these podcasts because I never thought of the idea of Goma and Valu being in conflict before this point. But it makes sense when you talk about it. Yeah. Well, that was a good good prompt by Crystal. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I'm glad you thought about that, Crystal, because I wouldn't have arrived at this otherwise, and I think we would have just kept going without addressing how weird the situation is. Well, you're very welcome. So, once all that is done... The sky's clear, and Baloo's very happy. He's bugling the entire time as the weather returns to normal, and the water stops being cloudy from all the sand being kicked into it, 
And generally speaking, Dragon Roost Island just instantly becomes a much nicer place. And Link, I think he's warped down to where Medley is. And Valu says something in a dragon-type form of ancient Hylian. And what is it that Falu says? It's one, one line, I think, use, find the wind god's wind or something like that. Or use the wind god's wind. And that's the prompt to go over and find the, the uh, two stone monuments. And yeah, to learn I think the, it's something like yeah. that. And the other thing that happens is that Kamali, genuinely moved by Link's act of courage, which he thought impossible, gives Link Din's pearl. Not because he's grateful to Link, but because he feels he's ready to move on from his previous childishness. And he immediately rushes up the path to go meet with Valu. And Medley, who is sort of a um, foster mother to Kamali in a sense, like she's also inherited this from the previous attendant, chases off after him just to make sure he'll be okay. And in keeping with Valu's instruction... Link takes the Wind Waker and goes back to the base of the island and goes over to two monuments, one of which is whole and one of which is broken. And what these monuments do is they introduce you to the music system for this game, because this is back when all Zelda games were kind of assumed to use music as a mechanic in one way or another. And you play a song, and when you play this song, or conduct a song, I, I never... Anyway, when you conduct a song... A god shows up, and this god is just a big frog sitting on a cloud. And he sees how the song that you've made has caused the wind to blow in a certain direction. And he's like, that's a mighty fine wind you made there. And Link's like, wow, a frog. It makes sense. It does. Does it? No. No. Okay. And you learn from the frog that he is the god of winds, and his brother, the god of storms. Cyclones. Is it cyclones specifically? I think so. Okay. So... He, the god of winds, and his brother, the god of storms, used to both have monuments that were on this island. But his brother's monument has been broken. And for that reason, his brother's flown off and started acting a dick all over the place. And honestly, if you ever see him, just give him a poke, yeah? And let him know that it's not okay to keep doing that shit to people. But now that you have this power of the winds, all you have to do is conduct this song. What is this god's name? I forget. Zephos. 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 And Zephos tells you that whenever you have need of his power, conduct the song and you will be able to direct the wind because he will do that for you so long as you call upon him. And when you go back and talk to the King of Red Lions, he explains that that is the power of the Wind Waker in truth, to conduct these songs that can speak directly to the gods. Something that also grabbed my attention is that when you first speak to Zephos, he identifies you or he asks, oh, so... You're the new Wind Waker. Not the baton, but you. Which is to say that the Wind Waker itself is misnamed or... Yeah, but also that you are the new the new conductor. <laughs> sure. So he recognizes you as the new one. Yes. Which does beg the question, who was the previous one? Uh, isn't the Wind Waker supposed to have belonged to the king? Yes, it is supposed to have belonged to the king. And uh, we'll talk about that more specifically after we finish uh, talking about a certain dungeon. Because the fact that the king was the previous holder of the Wind Waker, I think, is important to the lore. But not in a way that will make sense if we talk about it now. Okay. So, 
With the Wind Waker in hand, the King of Red Lions tells you it is time to move on and collect another one of the pearls. And to that effect, you should head, I believe it is, directly south from Dragon Roost Island until you reach the Forest Haven. So Link sails south. And again, this is one of those sequences where you can't really go off in any direction that you please. Which is fine, because you get a very useful tool later on. And you don't want to run into, is it Cyclos? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And you don't want to run into Cyclos without the damn bow. So you head directly to the Forest Haven. And the Forest Haven is, at least conceptually, one of the very coolest locations in the Wind Waker. Because instead of just being an island, it is a forest island that is covered in trees so densely that there is no room for anything else on it. It's also formed in a giant tree stump. Is that what it is? Yeah, go look. Oh, yes. Okay. So the thing about the Forest Haven is that there's this little tiny island of bedrock beneath it. And there's another little tiny island right next to it. But the Forest Haven itself is inside of the trunk of an enormous tree. It's the same thing with the Forbidden Forest. It is also a giant tree stump the forbidden yeah. forest being the adjacent island of larger size oh forbidden woods sorry. the giant yeah. trees that once held up lordran oh yeah this is the special episode where we reveal that dark souls takes place during one of the ten thousand year gaps uh in the zelda timeline <laughs> and the uh first flame is actually one of the goddess flames that informed the Master's Sword, and it was locally worshipped and later moved around a lot, and it's all immensely silly. Well, no, it, it's it's a sequel to Wind Waker in the adult timeline after the Koroks planted all their seeds, and they all became huge trees, and people lived on top of them. On top of many different worlds, assumedly. You know, I didn't actually read the arch trees in that way, where each arch tree represented a different world. Uh... I think that's an okay theory. It's an okay theory, but I never read them that way. Monica has no idea what we're talking about. No, I'm just going to sit here. Okay. No, we're not talking about Dark Souls anymore. We're back to talking about the Forest Haven. The Dark Souls episode will take place after we've had time to play the Switch version of Dark Souls, so you can become familiar with the 20th canonical Zelda game. Uh, okay. Okay. So do you think these island trees are what the Koroks have been and will be planting or are they like deku remnants huh it is interesting that you're actually inside of a tree and the deku tree is inside of a tree what the hell is that yeah. uh so, maybe uh, the deku tree was once much larger but then shrunk down to this form after it shed its bark the thing is that the bark's not dead there's still like leaves and stuff growing on it hmm, okay so, yeah what's up with this <laughs> maybe it is just like a particular kind of magical tree that grows in this way where its roots reach deep down into the ocean. And it grows up in a way that can protect forests inside of it until they're ready to be exposed to the open air or something. Yeah. I guess. I guess they're not Zelda's Deku tree not really trees. Known. Sorry, go on. They're not Deku tree trees because there's no face on them. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I was going to say that Zelda's not really known for having trees that are this massive in the lore. Yeah, because this is a well and truly massive fucking tree. Like, the Deku tree is the only tree near to this size in any Zelda game, and that's pretty much only in Breath of the Wild, where it's well and truly colossal. There was a big tree in Skyward Sword. 
Okay, yeah, there's a really big tree in Skyward Sword too. In the uh, what is that? The Faron region? What was that called? That, yeah, the Faron matter. region. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's atypically sized for for trees in this setting, and there's two of them right next to each other. It's probably not the case that both of them were created by the Deku tree, but it could make sense for both of them to be the special kind of trees that drag islands up out of the sea. So maybe in the future, the huh? Maybe that's where all the really, really, really gigantic uh, hollow tree trunks in Breath of the Wild came from. Because there are a few of them that are of comparable size to this. Maybe uh, these tree trunks once had a ceiling that was used to protect the forest from the flood. I could see that. Oh, the Deku tree is capable of some serious magic, huh? Yeah, the Deku tree is powerful, it turns out. Yeah, actually it's really powerful. And it's powerful in a way that manifests specifically against curses that have killed past Deku trees. But we'll get to that. And, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, we haven't even gotten to the most important part of the Forest Haven yet, which is that as soon as you manage to scale the side of it and go inside of this enormous tree trunk and you come into this magical Kokiri Forest-esque place that's just full of fairies and magical water and this big tree with a face, it's also full of the most important race of people in the Legend of Zelda series, the Koroks. And they are so important because they are very small, they're very stubby, they have leaves for faces, and they jingle jangle everywhere they walk. They're very stupid looking. It's great. There's only the two new races in this game, right? Yes, I think so. The Rito and the Koroks. Yeah, that's definitely uh, a different kind of setting from Ocarina, which had all sorts of different people all over, and Majora's Mask, which also had that in a little different way. Yes, that is true. In uh, Wind Waker, it's basically down to humans. Uh, I don't think Wind Waker's script uses either the word Hylian or human, which is interesting. Um, the Koroks, the Rito, and three Gorons. And Ganondorf, who's a dick. In the prologue, it actually mm-hmm. mentions all of the races of Ocarina of Time. Does it? In the in the script. The script? In Japanese. Oh, what does the Japanese script really? say? Really? I linked to it just earlier. By script, I mean in the pictures. Where did you do that? Slack. Okay, let's see here. Yeah, it does mention people. People of the plains, the mountain people, the water people, the desert people, the forest people. The Hylians are called the Hylians. Hmm. There are some pretty, well, not major differences, but there are some notable things that the, the text talks about that the um, the narration does not. Okay. Um, since the text is different from the narration, should we take a second and go over it? Sure. Who are the people of the plains? The Hylians. Okay, I tell you what. No, so uh, in, in addition to they, the people... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, Crystal, how about you read this first bit, The Rich Land, and we'll go Crystal, Monica, Cameron. In ancient times, there was a kingdom where the power of the gods was said to reside. The people who lived in this richly blessed kingdom were called the Hylians, and it is said that they can hear the voices of the gods. In addition to they, the people of the plains, the mountain people, the Gorons, the water people, the Zoras, the desert people, the Gerudo, and the forest people, the Kokiri, were each living their own lives. Even in this rich land, destruction's footsteps were steadily creeping in. 
It was then that wickedness encircled the land due to the hand of the evil one who had obtained the power of the gods, and this once beautiful land was falling into ruin. And the title here is The Evil Ganon. A person clad in green appeared from an unknown location and, gifted with divine power, brought the evil power to a just end, returning peace to his land. This is a much more badass version. It has to be said that this is being translated from Japanese. Yes, it's Hylian to Japanese to English. Because Hylian is just a cipher for Japanese. Because time manifested itself to him, this person is called the Hero of Time and has been passed down as a legend in the kingdom. A short while later, dark clouds once again shrouded the kingdom to which it had seen peace had returned. The one wielding the evil power, who had thought to be sealed away forever due to the hero's efforts, had somehow achieved revival once again. The people waited anxiously for the hero of legend to reappear, but in the end the hero who had traveled the flow of time and left the country behind did not appear. In the protectorless kingdom, when the evil drew near to the royal palace, the people offered up their prayers and entrusted the fate of that land to the hands of the gods. A long time passed, and now people who learn the story imitate the legendary hero. It's said that it's come to be that at the time the boys grow to adulthood, they make and wear green clothes in celebration. They entrust a wish to grow into fine people who could hold their own against even the hero of legend, garbed in green, who took up the sword of light to vanquish the evil ones. Wild. So that kind of answers the question from our previous recording about how is the phrase swords that vanquish evil or whatever? Well, I mean, we have to accept that in the English translation of it. And and by the way, this is taken from Zelda.Gamepedia.com that this version of it isn't... It isn't the one that's been passed down. The one that's been passed down to us is the one that's presented to us in the prologue, specifically in the narration. But since this is actually written as an image in the game, this is canon in its own way too, isn't it? It could be Mm -hmm. different people telling the story. So, you know, slight variations. Huh. I like the idea that they uh, want their children to grow... The kids want to grow into fine people who could hold their own even against the hero of legend. Because they want to be badasses. That's fair. I would also want to be a huge badass in this setting where Ganon shows up periodically. I would want to be able to fight Ganon. Where are we going with this? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was just we about, about the races. Yes, mentioning Hylians. And it's this is actually uh, the first really concrete indication that we get about what happened to one of the disappeared peoples. Because with the Rito, there's some degree of ambiguity. But when it comes to the Koroks, the Deku Tree tells you very explicitly that these are the children of the forest who took on this form as the world was changing. So these are the Kokiri, but now they're much cuter and made of wood. We had that theory running in the Ocarina of Time episode that maybe Kokiri didn't always look like children, and they only started to look like children once Link showed up as a baby. Yeah, I kind of like that theory. Yeah. That makes sense. And now this is... So would the Koroks be a more naturalistic form for them, or is it that they look sort of like seeds because, well, seeds are what they need to be doing right now? Yeah, I think the Korok form is also a lot more convenient right now. Like, they can travel on the wind and blow around and yeah they got the little leaf helicopters yeah i love their leaf helicopters they go yeah yeah what do you two think about the idea that the people who live in ordona are kokiri 
Come again? No. How do you figure? I was uh, I was saying, what, what do you think about the idea that the people who live in the Ordon province are the descendants of the Kokiri? Um, I don't know that it makes a whole ton of sense because, well, not only do they refer to themselves as humans in Twilight Princess, they also apparently reproduce in a way that's not in keeping with how the Kokiri do or how the yes. Koroks do. I think yep, they're, that's they're highly Hylians are humans that really, um, what do you call it, cleared the land. What? You know, and, and started farming and ranching. Oh, I see. Okay. I thought this was going to turn into another goddamn genocide conversation. <laughs> um, Crystal, what brings this up? Oh, it's a theory that some people have had that I've read in places. Oh, it's not a great one, I don't think. Is well, it? Is we'll that, talk is about good... it again. Oh, will we? Oh, God. Is that going to be part of the Twilight Princess episode? Yeah. The Twilight Princess, the first episode of Twilight Princess, or maybe the second or third, is going to possibly be the longest single segment that we've ever done. I can feel it coming because so much of Twilight Princess is left up to speculation so hard. It is just rich for us to mine for our particular brand of bullshit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Decker Tree's like, listen. Of course I'll give you the pearl. This is important, and you got to get going. Though it does need to be said that when Link first speaks to the Deku Tree, the Deku Tree is asleep, and he wakes up, and he speaks to Link in ancient Hylian. And he's like, oh, wait a second. You're not who I thought you were. Sorry about that. Yeah, he thinks yeah, you're should, the hero of time. We should pull that up. Oh, or, should, should we pull up the tree? Or at least summarize. Okay, hold on. Yeah, I, I, have, the, I have it pulled up here. Your oh, appearance, right. could you page. be the legendary hero of time? Did the king finally find the hero of time? What, don't you understand the Hylian language? So, you're not the hero of time. And the most Damn. interesting part of that, to me, is the idea that the king has been actively searching for the hero of time. Yes, that the king doesn't know. Yes. Well, the king is looking for a hero. The hero of time in particular. God, the king is one of the people who thought that the hero of time would return. You're right, the king doesn't know. The king doesn't know what happened. Because Zelda never told anyone. Zelda never told anybody. Wow. I was saving that for later, but now's a good time. Well, no, no, no. To put that in a box, because we're going to open that shit again super hard a little bit later. Because um, it's it's part of a much larger narrative for what's going on. Because one of the interesting things about Wind Waker is that it, through circumstance characterizes certain characters from Ocarina of Time. And by certain characters, I basically just mean adult timeline Zelda very concretely and in very interesting ways. So the Deku Tree, who initially mistakes Link for the Link from Ocarina of Time, tells him, of course I'll give you Faror's Pearl. This is a very important thing. And, you know, your quest is obviously important enough that I want to help you on it. Except that we need to complete a ceremony for the Koroks so I can send them off and they can spread the seeds that we need to draw the land back up out of the water. And this is very interesting, I think, because it doesn't come up until much later, but the Deku Tree is doing slowly what Ganondorf wants to do quickly. And if Ganondorf was patient enough, he could just wait for the land to return. Because he's either an immortal sorcerer or a ghost man. And either one of those isn't really limited by time in the same way that Link is. Well, the land wouldn't be Hyrule. I... Yeah. Why? It's not drawing Hyrule up. 
it's creating new land. Ganondorf doesn't want new land. I don't think that it's even about, he wants like... wants the castle. He wants the throne. Yeah. I don't know. I don't and know he about wants, him to... He wants to be the one who pulls it up out of the water. That only grants him more glory and legitimacy. Okay, that's... I, I can buy that one. Okay. Well, anyway... It's interesting, though, because the Deku tree is very... He has uh, parallel ideas about it. And it seems like the Deku tree and the King of Red Lions are friends. Or the the King and the Deku tree are friends enough that they share their plans with each other. Which is doubly interesting because the King, who wants Hyrule to be gone... Or maybe that's only a decision that he makes later. That's what I said. Okay, so we'll leave that. Anyway... In order to give you the pearl, we have to complete this ceremony for the Koroks. And we have to complete the ceremony so they can go out and spread the seeds that will basically create new land and link all the islands in the sea and create a new great paradise for the people. And it's like, well, you definitely want to be able to help start that going because it's undoubtedly a good thing. Uh, There's also a line that uh, if we are unable to hold our ceremony, we will not be able to raise any new forests. If that comes to pass, and evil days will follow. The great Deku Tree's power will wane, and our power will wane with it. We might even wither altogether. So in planting these forests, the Deku Tree is also basically ensuring not only his own survival, but the survival of the Koroks. Because they need, because one of the aspects of forests is that forests grow, and they spread. Yes. Hmm. Okay, so they're promoting the natural life of forests in the middle of an environment that is inherently hostile to them. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is necessary in multiple ways. And the ceremony cannot be carried out as is because one of the Koroks, Makar, is missing. Oh no. Oh no, Makar is missing. Where the oh, no. fuck is Makar? And the Deku tree is all like, oh, that Makar, he's always wandering off and doing stuff on his own. I'm sure it's fine. And how is it that you find out that Makar is not where he's supposed to be? That he's not anywhere on the island? I think it's guessed that he is in the Forbidden Woods. Very much against the warnings of the Deku Tree. And so the Deku Tree gives you the Deku Leaf. Sort of a precursor to the paraglider that you can use to catch up drafts and go up to the top of the Deku Tree and sail between islands if there are updrafts between them. And it turns out that the ocean often has updrafts just all over the place. And also Link can see updrafts. So Link sails from the Forest Haven over to the Forbidden Woods. And the Forbidden Woods is in some ways very much like the Forest Haven seen through an evil lens. Because like Dragon Roost Island, it is full of monsters where it should not be, and there is an evil power growing inside of it. Now, there isn't as much structural storytelling in the Forbidden Woods as there is in Dragon Roost Island. You don't get the impression that all the Koroks sometimes just come over here and raid the place and things like that. But there's Kokiri houses there. Are there Kokiri? There are Kokiri houses in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So why is it forbidden? It's old. Is that just where the Kokiri Forest used to be? Maybe. So you're going through what is apparently Kokiri Forest or its remnants, and it is full of bugs. And it's not really got the same kind of monsters in it that you would expect Ganon to send over there, at least not mostly. I can't remember if there are actually any bokoblins in it, but there might not be. It might just be all these different kinds of bugs and shit. Yeah, there's no bokoblins in it. Yeah, there's no bokoblins. There's 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 some moblins, I think. Really? Or so says Gamepedia, at least. 
All right, thank you, Gamepedia, for setting the record straight. So you run through here, and there are some of Ganon's monsters, but generally speaking, you get the impression that this is just like a bad forest. Except it, in The Legend of Zelda, there aren't really any bad forests, so to speak. Forests, generally speaking, are homes to good spirits who try to help good people and keep badness out. So if there are bad monsters here, then something's very wrong. And the deeper uh, you I mean, get... I would not necessarily characterize the Lost Woods as bad, but it's definitely not super friendly to humans. Don't go in there. Yeah. It's got one law. Don't go into the Lost Woods. But, uh, so you're running around in what is essentially a dungeon version of the Lost Woods. That's how I would characterize it. And there's giant spiky vines everywhere. There's giant spiky vines everywhere. And you can kill the vines sometimes by blowing Deku nuts at them or something. How did that work? What did you get in here? Was it the boomerang? Yeah, it was the boomerang. Yeah, it's the boomerang. Because the boss and is boomerang-based. Yeah, the boss is boomerang-based. And you can cut some of the vines with the boomerang. And you run around. And there's these fun little, uh, like, they're almost like little burrs with eyeballs that hop on you. <laughs> and you can get, like, 40 of them on you at a time. And Link just walks everywhere. And he gets so heavy that the screen shakes every time he takes a step. And you can knock them all off and sometimes kill them by doing a little spin attack. And then there's also the horrible uh, flying moth enemies that shoot the little burr enemies out of their butt directly at you and fly around and shoot evil magic smoke. And it's just a big old mess, this dungeon, that's built on the bones of a place that you used to know in another life. And as you get through it, near the end, you find Makar. And Makar's like, oh, hey, oh, no, I'm not supposed to be here, but you could take me back, right? And then there's a monster behind him and it eats him. Just eats my car right in front of you and Link's like holy shit it ain't my car <laughs> and this is interesting because you're right that it is very much like Baronade and it's also very much like Goma in that Baronade was another uh, parasite beast and this is once more holding to Ganondorf's MO of leaving curses that manifest in very particular ways and cause havoc through very specific avenues so you're left to do battle with this monster so that you can assumedly avenge Makar's death after having been eaten by this monster. Poor Makar. So what havoc is Cali Demos doing in particular? Is it just snatching Makar? Snatching Makar is enough havoc by itself, I think, because if Makar's not there, the ceremony can't be completed, and eventually the entire forest will die. I got That's the true. impression that it caused a lot of the the bug and viney growths, too. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like, the Forbidden Woods isn't really supposed to be like that. As much as it's forbidden, I think that's just because Koroks have a tendency to get lost. And, yeah, I, th I think that Kalidamos is definitely responsible for a lot of the monsters that have popped up in the Forbidden Woods. But as to what it's doing in particular, um, we don't know yet. I think that the fact that the Forbidden Woods and the Forest Haven are situated as opposites of each other is significant. But if all it does is entrap a single Korok and keep them from completing the ceremony, that's enough. As to whether or not it could do more, maybe. Maybe it could spread its influence on spores across the gap between them and eventually invade the forest haven. Who knows? But we do also get an indication that if that was its plan, it wouldn't work out for it very well. You're talking about the water. I'm talking about the water. Uh, Crystal, are you familiar with the alternative method of killing Kalidamos? I am not, no. Okay. Here's a fun thing. You know how uh, there's a quest later on where you need to take water from the Forest Haven, and it's called Sacred Water or something like that. And it Forest Spring Water. Okay, Forest Spring Water. And it turns to normal spring water after something like five minutes. 
or 20 Uh minutes? 20 minutes. Okay. So if you take Forest Spring Water into the fight with Kale Deimos and you get to the part of the fight where you would normally go up and hit it and start the cycle where you have to knock it down three times and hit it and that'll eventually kill it, right? If you dump the sacred forest spring water onto Kale Deimos at any point, even during the very first cycle, it kills Kale Deimos in one hit. Damn. So that, that proves Deku that it is truly a monster and not a natural creature. Yes, that is one of the things that it proves. The other thing that it proves is that the Deku Tree ain't to be fucked with. Because this is a tough no, boss do monster. Not mess. The Deku Tree has only gotten more powerful in each successive game, I feel like. You're not wrong. It did manage to keep like the malice completely out of an entire region of Hyrule. And that's no joke considering how close it was. Huh. Yeah, so... The Deku Tree in the first game is killed by a parasite. And in this one, you know that particular way of killing Kali Demos was only discovered, I think it was two or three years ago? Is it present in the original or just HD? Oh, it's absolutely in the original version. Huh. Okay. Sorry, it's forest water, not forest spring water. Okay, well. The- <laughs> this is significant. And I think the time the timer was extended too in the HD version. Yeah, that's to make that particular side quest a lot easier, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah, you can, if you ever play Wind Waker again, take some in there and try it out. It's a lot of fun seeing this little guy just basically explode. And when it explodes because you dumped the Deku Tree's specific anti-evil pesticide on it, um, it bursts into evil smoke and Makar's there and Makar's fine. (laughs) It turns out that, uh, little guys made of wood are actually pretty tough and he's disoriented from the experience, but he's okay. He's fine. So you go back to the, the forest haven. So cute. The, go on. Yeah. The Koroks are so cute. They're the cutest. I think they're probably my favorite magical race to come out of the Legend of Zelda series. I'd have to think about it for a few minutes, but they are so stupidly cute. And the Wind Waker isn't even the best use of them. Oh, I'm glad they came back. Stuffy little legs. He just walks around with his stubby little legs, and he makes the jingle bell sound everywhere he goes. They did, they should have brought that part back. Oh, I love the little sound they make. That's the best part of one of the uh, Earth Temple is getting to run around. No, the Wind Temple is getting to run around as my car, and you can make that jingle jangle anywhere, anytime you want. <laughs> so you take this cute little bastard who is apparently alive because wood is tough to digest. And you take him back to the Deku Tree, and he's like, Oh, I did so bad. I'm sorry. I got everybody worried, and I got snatched by a monster, and oh, I did bad. And Deku Tree's like, It's okay, buddy. You're safe. It's fine. Let's do the thing. And Makar's like, Oh, boy. And he pulls out his leaf and a stick, and they are a very lively fiddle. And he leads the Korok Choir in this very fun song. And then all the Koroks fly away, except for Makar and a Korok pharmacist, I think. <laughs> it's a pharmacist, basically. Are there any others that stay behind? I think it's I think just it. them. Okay. So all the others uh, make like Charlotte's children and fly away on the wind. I was going to say that. Yeah, it's basically Charlotte's children um, from Charlotte's Web. And they fly away on the wind. And Makar stays behind and he figures, well, I'm just going to keep practicing my fiddle because I really like it. And the pharmacist stays behind so that they can continue being the cheapest source of blue potions in the entire game. Yes. Oh, but, thank but, God. What would I ever <laughs> do without my blue potions? Are you How talking could shit I about- possibly beat this game without the blue potions? Oh, come on. 
It's I've never it, ever used potions in any Zelda game that has them. Really? Well, Wind Waker. They're not that hard. Wind Waker, you don't really lose the heart damage is so insignificant that you don't really need blue potions. I appreciated it in hero mode, let me tell you. But it is a lot more it's a lot better than getting the chew jelly. The blue chew jelly. Oh god. The blue the, that's the thing about it is that it may not come up for a lot of players because Wind Waker's probably the easiest of the 3D Zeldas, I think. But blue potions in this game are enormously expensive compared to all the others, and they were already really expensive in Ocarina of Time. In this game, it's blue chew jellies, which are hard to get. I think that the last time I beat the game, I never got enough to start making blue potions by that method, and then after that, you have to pay big-time money for them. What is it? Yeah, and I think it's theoretically missable. It's completely missable is the thing. I killed, like, two blue chews without snatching the jellies off of them, and that was it. I couldn't make them through that particular method, but the little Korok pharmacist, you just have to give him some Deku seeds, and he's like, here we go, I'm going to do my dance, and here's the blue potion. Here you go. <laughs> and it's like, oh, thank you, Korok pharmacist, you're the greatest. I, you've ne- you've really never used a, a potion in any Zelda game? I'm sure I've used them, but not in not as a regular thing. Okay, because I, I, back when I first played ocarina of time i always kept like three blue potions no i didn't have all the bottles so i <laughs> kept uh two blue potions and a fairy on my person at all times just in case and i think i definitely the first time i beat the game i used both those blue potions fighting ganondorf and ganon and i thought that was the coolest but i mean like depending on the modes that you're playing the potions can be pretty useful they, they, i know that potions aren't really Not a as thing useful in as a fairy well, after Ocarina of Time, fairies started only healing eight hearts. And no magic. That's enough. I, mm, I don't know. I know that the potions don't really exist in Breath of the Wild, for instance, but if you treat food as being the potion equivalent, then uh, potions became a lot more important in that game. They were pretty essential in Twilight Princess for doing the um, the trials. Yeah. Yeah, I think Whatever so. Whatever it was called. Oh, could you use potions? It, well, you couldn't use them in the wolf version of it in the HD. Right. But the... The human one, yes. Yeah, the cave of ordeals. Yes. I think that's the human one. And, yeah, you really enjoy them in Skyward Sword. If you ever get around to playing hero mode, upgrade your ability to make potions, because that shit's for real. Anyway, uh, so they all fly away, and Link gets his... Uh, he gets Faror's Pearl, and this is the bit where he's like, okay, now we have what we need to continue the quest. And this is the point where you're actually allowed to sail around in any direction you want. And, okay, we've reached the point where we've been recording for about an hour and 20 minutes. Crystal, do you want to continue along the main quest, or should we transition into, like, taking some questions or something? Uh, You know what? Yeah, let's take some questions. I don't know that we have too many, but I did put out a call. Okay. Could you link? Oh, did you link us already? Let me see. I've not linked it yet, but I will okay. shortly. Yeah, this is about where I figured we would get to. Um, I tell you what, I really do like the Forest Haven and uh, Dragon Roost Island as a first pair of dungeons. They do a lot of tone setting and introducing you to the new peoples of Hyrule in a way that I find really fun. This is a hell of a fucking question you posed. <laughs> uh, there's some others here. Hold on. There's the one... That Michael Welch sent us. Uh, do I need to open the uh, question document? 
here's the one I was looking for. Did you two do the um the whole Savage Labyrinth in Wind Waker? Uh, well, I, I I did, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Crystal. Uh, I don't think I did. Potions are good for that one too. I think. Oh well, yeah. But I mean, when you're th- being thrown into like the hardest combat challenge in the game, it kind of makes sense you'd want to bring healing items with you. But it, Crystal's right that generally speaking in Wind Waker, you don't super need potions. But given how difficult some people find Zelda games, I do appreciate that an easier option for getting potions is there. Because you may remember, Crystal, that one of the biggest mechanical uh, beefs that some players have with Breath of the Wild in particular is that it's too fucking hard. That In the beginning, that's... Yeah, I could see someone saying that. No, even up through the end. Hmm, okay. I mean, it, it, it's asking a lot mechanically for people to engage with it uh, as compared to past Zelda games. And Wind Waker sort of has the same thing. One thing about the Wind Waker that I think was just in the HD edition and not so much in the past editions is that I had a lot of trouble doing the counter moves against like Moblins because their moves would come out so fast that if I pressed the button only when the prompt came up, the window for good reactions was basically already gone. I don't remember having that difficulty. I was wondering if it was just me getting old or if it was something related to the particulars of the HD version. But I did really well in Breath of the Wild's timing stuff, so I thought maybe it's not that. I don't know. It's one of the things that bugged me. Okay, so are we ready for the questions? Yeah. Okay, where do we want to start? Uh, Let's start with Jasmine's question. I'll read it off. Okay. This comes from Jasmine Marsh. Why didn't the King of Ren Lines make a shield out of the Take Speedrunners a Decade to Get Past Fuck You Barrier? Uh, I believe Jasmine is referring to the barrier... Uh, near Hyrule Castle under the ocean, which famously there is no way to glitch past. Not ever. They they found one, oh. didn't they? Oh, no, did that's they? the joke. That, yeah, that, they did. They found a message just like, within half a year ago. Yes, about six. I thought you were making a joke because that was like the big change in the past six months that they finally found a way to glitch past it, but it's only with like a 25% consistency. You should find the article for her. Did you not know about this, Crystal? Oh, God. Crystal, Crystal. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, thank Christ. Okay. Uh, did you hear about that? I did not hear about that. No. There's a Kotaku article. Okay, hold on. Uh, here, that right there. Uh, shut up. I'll find it. Okay, here we go. It's new to the HD version, apparently. Is it? The second article. Well, that's from 2016. So my sense of time is bad. <laughs> That's okay. My sense of time is also bad. But anyway, uh, where was this question written down, Crystal? Oh, I posted it in the Skype chat. Oh, because um, the only thing I'm... What if Link has an old stake mustache? Um, Link was old. No, Crystal, I'm not seeing it. Oh. Well, I think the answer is that the the barrier is Gandor's magic. The, the, the only ones I, the only question I'm seeing here, Crystal, is what if Link was old? <laughs> okay, hold on. Is that the post you meant to link to? No, it's not. So let me link to the right one. Oh, okay. Well, Crystal writes in, <laughs> what if Link was old? What if Link, what if Link's Link old. was old and he had a, an old snake mustache? Just like that math teacher broom mustache? Uh-huh. So not as old as the hero's shade is in Twilight Princess. A little less old than that. No, 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 no. 
Just just so a talk- regular old man. Are we talking like a badass Sheikah old man or like uh is he like an Orca old man or a Sturgeon old man? He's like he's like old snake. Okay, so Orca. He <laughs> he'd basically be Orca. Orca is already basically old Link. What if you could play his Orca? That'd be sick. I would love to play his Orca, actually. So is the shield Ganon's magic or is it the king's magic or is it the goddess's magic? I thought it was Ganon's magic because while Ganon distinctly wanted Link to do things in the castle, he didn't want Link to go over to his castle. Isn't it the empowered master sword that allows you to get past the barrier in the first place? That too. It's smiting the evil and it's evil magic. Right. So the reason that the King of Red Lions didn't make a shield out of it is because, well, Ganon made it in the first place. Okay, that That's answers that question. That's a good answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Another question that we've got here. Uh, this one from the questions document that Jasmine wrote in. Uh, do we want to read that one? Yeah. Or, no, wait, hold on. No, this is from the... This is from the uh, Four Swords questions, I think. Okay. Monica, why don't you read this one? Jasmine asks, Do the other reflections of Link have permanence in the canon, or are they regulated to cameos only? Example, the extra broken purple doppelganger statue in Triforce Heroes, the Shadow Clones in Minish Cap. Would you play a multiplayer game in a 3D Zelda? Bonus concept... Oh, wait. We We did this one already. Did we? I think so. Because I specifically remembered the Four Champions prequel to Breath of the Wild as a multiplayer game. I don't remember. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. In that case, continue, please. <laughs> Crystal, do you remember talking about this? I don't. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, just... I'm having a problem. Okay. <laughs> Bonus concept, Tale of the Four Champions prequel to Breath of the Wild, multiplayer with modern Dreamcast memory card plugins with smaller screens. I would play that. Yes. I'd play that. I, 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 I would be playing that right now. Well, you have to connect four switches together. And it's basically like a Zelda version of Monster Hunter, kind of, where you run around as the champions and have to fight badass things. That'd be cool. So Monster Hunters and not Four Swords. But you could do a Four Swords Monster Hunter. Why not? I mean, it's a 3D Zelda. It's not going to play like Four Swords. Yeah, but are you are you playing competitively and throwing people off of cliffs no. to get at No, the- <laughs> god damn it, No. No, you're, like, working together to get through dungeon puzzles where you're each running around in different rooms and you have to, like, oh, we gotta turn this key all at the same time. So, like, Triforce Heroes. Yeah, like Triforce Heroes. Triforce Heroes is by far the best multiplayer Zelda game. Easily. And if they go forward with the idea of multiplayer Zelda, and Aonuma has said more than once that one of the things he would like to carry forward in Breath of the Wild's legacy is more multiplayer. If they do that, I want it to be built on the cooperative elements of Triforce Heroes rather than the competitive elements of the Four Swords games. I agree. Because as fun as those are, God, it drives me crazy, and I think it's a weakness in a way a lot of it is designed. We ended up getting a little bit frustrated with some of the more competitive elements in Four Swords, so I essentially said, you know what? You take the damn... Uh, force shards i'm done we're not going to compete over them anymore and it made the game go a lot more smoothly but it also sort of revealed how essential competition is to having fun in that game because if you're not constantly fighting each other the game itself is kind of a slog yes and triforce heroes isn't really like that 
I can't wait to play Triforce Heroes. Do they have permanents in the canon? No. Um, what did we say last time? You're asking Triforce Heroes is canon? Well, I mean, Triforce Heroes is super canon, but, like, other reflections of Link, those being, like, uh, in Triforce Heroes, there is a fourth statue of Link that is just broken all to shit. I remember that. (laughs) I mean, they don't because they go back in the Four Sword. Okay, so we'll say they don't really have permanence in the canon. They are not specific individuals who are reflected throughout the archetypes going forward. It's still just Link. Except in Triforce Heroes, where you don't actually play as Link. Right. You play as Link cosplayers. Yeah, it's just Link cosplayers. No, the, in the single player. No, no, no. The, you do the, have ca- the canon is multiplayer. Hair. Yeah, you uh, look kind of like Link, but lots of cosplayers look like the characters they're cosplaying. I object to this. Well, we can have a much okay, more Okay, here's my dis- theory. Uh-oh. Uh, what if the hero of A Link to the Past... The hero of Oracle of Seasons, the hero of Oracle of Ages, and the hero of Link's Awakening are all different Links who were split by the Four Sword and then went off in their separate ways. Yeah, we we did talk about the Links, the four Links as um, timeline split ones that kind of just merged together and then dispersed off to their own worlds afterwards. I guess that would be fine. Oh, I should have saved because the first time I told uh, Crystal that you didn't play as zelda or you didn't play as link and triforce heroes like that shit got in her hair a little bit i should have saved it it was good you do play as link and triforce heroes you absolutely do not you do nope not even by a nintendo's bit. fiat they have said it is the same link as a link between worlds we don't pay attention to nintendo's fiat to start with okay like, but do you have compelling evidence to contradict this fiat you know what We'll talk about it on the Triforce Heroes episode. Okay. That's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a great one. So there is one more question that you linked. And Crystal, why don't you read this one? You want me to read it? Yes, please. Okay, this comes from Michael Welch. Is Ganondorf the only Gerudo with a surname? Follow-up. Is Ganondorf the only person in Hyrule with a surname? (laughs) What's your take on this, Crystal? Uh, Ganondorf is the only Gerudo with a surname. He's not the only person in Hyrule because Link's name is Link Link and Zelda's name is Zelda Hyrule. What's your take on this, Monica? <laughs> um, definitely the royal families have surnames. We know Daphne's full name and we know is Daphne Rome. No- Daphnis Nohansen Hyrule and Rome uh, Bosphoramus. Bosphoramus. Bosphoramus Hyrule. So yes, Zelda's got to be Zelda Hyrule or Zelda something Hyrule. Though I've read a lot of fan fiction and they never come up with a good middle name. Well, it's like, she doesn't really need them. I think that... Zelda Densetsu no Hyrule. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus God, hell Christ. Yeah, okay, Zelda Densetsu no Hyrule. That's probably the best middle name I have heard for her. Thank you, that's good. Uh, Oh my God, I need a second to recover from that. Okay, I... Don't think the name Dragmire is actually canon. What? What are you looking at me like that for? Is it in any of the games? <laughs> Cameron. What? What? Is it in any of the, the games? Backstory to a link to the past so much. <laughs> well, listen, we both have problems with the link to the past backstory. Right, but well, I no, think the... I... Mandrag Ganon is not canonical. Right. But Gandalf Drag 
That sure as shit's not in Ocarina of Time. We had an argument about this 15 years ago. I'll pull up the text dump. I don't remember. (laughs) Oh my god, it's like 17 years ago Like, okay, if there is evidence in the games to contradict what is in the manuals, I agree. The game should be taken first. But if you don't have compelling evidence to contradict Ganon's last name, I don't think you can throw it out just because you don't like it. Why not? It's extra textual. That's not the same. That's not the same kind of canon. Okay. Yeah, it's not there. It's not in the text dump for Ocarina of Time at all. And I don't think that he's named that way in the actual game for Link to the Past. As Ganon is a king, I'm sure he has a multitude of names. Sure. Even if he just gave it to himself. Well, here's the thing: is that like the idea of Ganondorf with a surname feels like a highly in construct in the first place. Why would Ganondorf, who's raised communally by the Gerudo, because we know from Breath of the Wild that the Gerudo raised their daughters more or less communally, have a name right. that ties him to any one particular parent? Well, the Ganondorf Dragmire in the backstory of A Link of the Past is not necessarily a Gerudo. Okay, granted. But in that sense, that Ganondorf isn't meaningfully Ganondorf in the first place. Okay, so the Ganondorf in this game is not named Dragmire, but there is another one that is. Uh, like this his, this theoretical historical figure who only exists in the manual? Because once sure. you start getting into the question of... You're not even necessarily asking for evidence against Ganondorf's name in particular. You're asking for evidence against the content of the manual. Yeah. That's getting into a much older kind of argument that I'm a little bit more familiar with. And I tell you what, we'll come back to it. I'll have a treatise ready on whether or not Ganondorf's name, Dragmire, is canon to the game of Link to the Past. Because I'm pretty sure we can treat it as being non-canon for uh, Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker. And we don't like Mandragan either, right? No. Okay. What if Ganon's first name is Calamity? <laughs> like Jane. Yeah. Like like his cousin Jane. Like his his cousin Jane Dragmire. Calamity. Mandrag, Jane, Calamity, fuck. Where am I? What's happening? Mandrag, Calamity, Ganon, Dragmire. Well, if Calamity was part of his name, then really people haven't been addressing him properly this whole time. So what, what is, is, if Ganon, if, is Ganondorf just like a more formal version of his given name and Ganon is like the informal version that he's called by his buds? No. Yeah, the, the dwarf is a suffix that means king. It's that. So it's not like go Ganondorf. It's just Ganondorf. Go Ganon. Oh, fuck. I'm tired. Okay. Anyway. You want to end this episode? <laughs> I don't know. Should we? Ganondorf, uh, no, regardless of the canonicity of Ganondorf's surname, no other Gerudo is ever said to have a surname. It's possible that they do, but based on what we know about how the Gerudo raised their children, raised their daughters, it doesn't seem likely that they have surnames, at least not in that sense. Uh, and Ganondorf, if he does have a surname, is not the only person in Hyrule who has one. In fact, we yeah. know that you can get a new surname by marrying into families. Yeah, uh, Hyrule doesn't seem big enough to really do surnames unless you are a member of a royal family. Right. 
And by ro- marrying in, you mean Rome. Yes, because Rome definitely married into the royal family and thereby gained the surname Hyrule. They might all be matrilineal. Uh, that could yeah. make sense. But if that, no, that doesn't make sense either because, or do you mean that that's why Rome got it when he married in? Yeah. Okay, that would make sense. Though the idea that Hyrule is supposed to be matrilineal makes uh, Daphnis and Rome into very different characters who are going against the natural, the not naturally, but the established matriarchal power structure in lording themselves over their daughters or their descendants. Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, don't get me wrong. These two are already assholes, but this makes them into very different kinds of assholes. Well, Rome's wife died. The queen, by all means, was probably more... What do you call it? Political? She traveled around and stuff. Oh, she did. Oh, I want to talk about that part later. That's good. Oh, it's so good. We learn a lot about the queen. Not a lot, but we do learn things about the queen and her relationship with other people in the Breath of the Wild DLC. So, And by all means, um, Zelda is still a child in Breath of the Wild until she turns 17, by which point, you know, everything goes to shit. So she could very well have stepped up at that point. True. She might have been Queen Zelda after that. If we were content to place uh, Breath of the Wild after Zelda 2, there was a shift that went on at some point because the backstory of Zelda 2, the king does appear to be a patriarch. That's true. Yeah. If we're really married to the idea of having to necessarily link all the games together in that way, which I guess is one of the core conceits of this stupid fucking podcast. (laughs) Sometimes I think about what I've signed up for and think, wow... This is a hell of a thing. Uh, Where where can people send us questions, Cameron? Well, if people send us questions, they should send it to bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Again, any questions, especially long-form ones, which are our favorite kind, can be sent to bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Short-form questions can also be sent either to me, at Camwriter, on Twitter, or to Crystal, at ArcaneCrystal, on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Arcane Crystal. You can also find me on the Let's Plays podcast at AudioEntropy.com. This is pretty much the only place you can find me on the internet or at Cam Ryder on Twitter. Don't go looking in other places. I don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> you Except hear for on this Zelda podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's do this Yay. Zelda joke. Oh, man. What did Link say when he cut his hand off with the Master Sword? <laughs> this is a hell of a setup. <laughs> What did Link Nothing. say? Yeah. Link can't talk. <laughs> oh. oh. No. You, you can yell. Oh. So I assume he yelled. Nothing because... Yeah, of, edit no. in the Wind Waker yell sound in there. <laughs> okay, well, I'll have to get a clean... Re- no, Monica, that was the punchline. Oh. Link can't talk is the punchline. So, Crystal, <laughs> you need to get another fucking joke. That one didn't take. Okay, 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 okay. This is the part um, where I'm going to cut in this Forest Haven music right here. It sounded like a question, an answerable question. Did I? No, I mean the, the oh, joke. No, that's how jokes are framed. It's a joke. Well, this one had an answer. Oh. It was Haya. No, damn it. That's not even a joke, though. That's uh, the most. Okay, here's here's another one. This is sourced from the uh, NeoSeeker.com Ocarina oh, of Time jokes thread. Fuck from me. user Rezagin. Why did Link fall off the tree? Why? Because he died. <laughs> God damn it. That's not bad, actually. That's the truth. What? How? <laughs> <laughs>
you know what? We're going to call it there. I'm going to ask questions. For We're going to call this an episode. Join us next week as we continue our endless, endless journey of the Wind Waker. This may actually take longer than some playthroughs. We'll see you guys then. <laughs>